Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. Cerebral palsy is the most common motor disability in childhood. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, each year about 10,000 babies born in the United States will develop cerebral palsy, or CP for short. Here's what's consistent about cerebral palsy. It's incurable and permanent, but it isn't life-threatening or progressive. But what's inconsistent about cerebral palsy is almost everything else particularly how it affects each individual with CP. For example, some people affected by CP can walk, while others can't, and some have significant intellectual disabilities, while others don't. All of this makes it difficult to paint a portrait of what it means to live with CP. But in this episode of Move Forward Radio, we talk to Brittany Klaus, who lives with CP and blogs about the experience for Cerebral Palsy News Today, making CP not only part of her life, but also part of her livelihood. Here's our conversation with Brittany Klaus. So Brittany, I can walk through basically a definition of cerebral palsy. I can tell people it's caused by an injury to the brain that occurs either before, during birth, or within the first two years of life. I can talk about CP causing problems related to sight or hearing or feeling, thinking, communicating. I could talk about how the injury is non-progressive itself, but the effects of the injury can fluctuate or worsen in their severity over the years. But that's kind of all about CP itself, and it doesn't really get to uh, you and your story as an individual. So how do you define cerebral palsy in terms of how it's affected your life uh, and, and what it means to you today? Uh, you start with the deep questions right away. You know, there's a lot of definitions for it when I was growing up. When I was a kid, I had a really hard time with it. I felt really, like, outcasted. So, you know, I felt really alone. I was really isolated. As a kid, I think that I would say, you know, I definitely had a disability. It was really obvious. Um, and now that I've transitioned to adulthood, CP isn't something that defines me anymore. Um, as much as I write about it and it is my thing, more or less, it's not something that defines me. But, of course, it affects my life every single day, you know. It's how I make my living. I have to deal with it. But I don't think it's as hard as it was when I was a child. So you talk about how, you know, it, you felt that it was very visible, you know, when you were younger and, and now maybe less so. So if, if I see you in a Starbucks, I meet you on the street, what am I going to see that, that would tell me you have cerebral palsy or will I see anything at all? So I walk with a significant limp, so you will see that. And now I'm walking with a walker again, which I used to do as a child, but I didn't have to do for several years. But I hope that when you see me at Starbucks, instead of seeing my cool walker or my limp or whatever, you see my hair or my outfit, um, and I hope that's a better conversation starter than, you know, my issues. Well, and so on that note, you know, you talked about how you felt about it, and and so that's kind of the what I wanted to go with. Do you feel less self-conscious about whether it's the limp or the walker or whatever? Do you feel that, that the you that isn't CP is more visible than, than you felt it was when you were younger? 
Definitely, um, because I've embraced a lot of things, especially within the last couple of years that I've been writing and really developing myself. That platform has really given me a lot of confidence. So, yeah, definitely. So you you mentioned your writing. You you blog about CP at Cerebral Palsy News Today. Yep. Um, and let's just go back. I want to talk about several things, but you mentioned how you've gone back to using a walker, and, and one of the things you wrote about recently was um, your experience with that. So so what? when did you stop using a walker? When did you start using it again, and, and why? So I stopped using a walker when I was 10 in fifth grade. Finally, that was like – my only goal that I remember through, like, preschool all the way until fifth grade was I just wanted to get rid of it because I hated it. Um, and then I was free from my walker until about 16 when I started to have some really bad uh, hip pain, and they didn't really know how to resolve it. But, of course, I wanted to stay walking, and so the only way to really do that was to go back to using a device. So for me, that was the walker. So, you know, going back to getting off the walker in the first place, what what was that process like? What went into that goal? You said you wanted to ditch it for a long time. So how how did you get there? How did you do that? A lot of physical therapy, unfortunately, uh, and a lot of, like, occupational therapy. I know that's not the favorite thing of kids, you know, with CP, but also my parents were, oh, boy, uh, they were super nonconventional and did a lot of things that were kind of, like, off the grid and off the book. They didn't always follow like doctor advice and they kind of let me do what I wanted and so I was able to see how far I could go because there was no boundaries. So when you're pushing yourself and you're you have that goal and you're going through physical therapy and again the your situation might not be different from somebody else's cerebral palsy, but what were you working on? Were you working on balance, coordination, all of the above? What what was kind of the challenge for you to get you to be able to move without a walker uh when you were in fifth grade? So all of it, um, balance and coordination are huge. I have really weak core muscles, and I always have. So even things like sitting up on my own were a challenge for a long time. Um, so really I needed to, like, stabilize my gait. I have what they call a scissors gait, um, and I needed to stabilize that to be able to walk without the walker. And so then you saw talk about returning to the walker basically related to, to pain. So is that affecting – does the walker reduce your pain, or is it just allowing you to avoid falls? What, why why did you go back to it? Uh, mainly because I want to keep walking, <laughs> and that's kind of the only way that I can do it. But, of course, it stabilizes me, so it reduces falls. And um, I wouldn't say it reduces pain so much, but it takes a lot of, like, pressure off of my joints when I am walking. So it enables me to kind of keep moving. So I mentioned I want to talk about some of the things you've, you've written. And, you know, you mentioned you want to keep walking. You're 21 now, I believe, correct? Yep, yeah. So uh, you talked about, you, were t you wrote a piece about the challenges of kind of school amidst all of this and, and also some chronic pain things we're going we're gonna to go back to later. But you mentioned something that, that one of the challenges was sort of navigating an environment that was not disability friendly. Yeah. Um, for people who haven't gone through life with a walker, um, who haven't gone through life with, with that challenge that you faced, how disability friendly is, is the world and, and how often is it not very disability friendly? You know what? I grew up very, like, mainstream and kind of, like, normalized because, like I said, my parents were non-conventional. But I didn't realize until I left, like, the comfort of my mom's house and, like, areas that I knew that the world is not accessibility-friendly at all. Like, I didn't realize how much my mom or the people around me kind of 
went out of their way to make things accessible and easier for me, so I didn't realize that the world isn't like that until I didn't have that. So what's the most common challenge you get in accessibility that, that people just don't see because they walk right by it? The fact that you can't walk um, is huge. You know, like parking lots and things like curbs are not cut right. They're never good. The terrain is never, like, flat. It's always uneven. Those are all the things we take for granted that you're facing as basically, you know, mountable obstacles, but, but obstacles just the same. Right, and then when you're out and you're trying to go to places, whether you have a wheelchair, a walker, or whether you don't, how do you get into a building? <laughs> is that accessible? Is the place accessible once you are inside? Are there accessible bathrooms when you're there? How does it all sort of work? And, you know, some, like, restaurants, for example, aren't wheelchair-friendly, so how do you navigate that? There's There's so many challenges. It would be impossible for me to name them all. So you talked about earlier about how, you know, obviously you, you want to be seen as Brittany and not someone with CP, mm -hmm. and, and yet at the same time you have made CP a focus of your life with your writing about it. Um, based on that, I have to assume that not just through your writing but other things that you get exposure to other people with, with CP. And, and in what ways does your CP experience feel typical or traditional or common, and in what ways does it seem pretty different from the norm? <sighs> Hopefully nobody with CP um, hates me for this answer. Uh, for me, I think the experiences that I have that are most typical is that, unfortunately, I have a lot, especially now that I'm aging, of the um, health problems and, like, the symptoms of the progressions of, you know, me being active and me walking and what that has done to me. But I'm, I'm very different from the norm in the sense that I'm very high-functioning and I'm just out there. And I don't feel that you see that too often with CP because there's so many barriers, like whether it's access to Internet or just access to being able to use something, you know, to type or speech or, you know, whether they're blind. There's so many problems, you know, that I feel bad being kind of like the poster child or being out there. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, too, you know, dealing with some of the problems as you age. When you were 17, you were diagnosed with chronic pain. Is Is that... It related to your CP, or is that a, a totally separate thing, at least in how it feels to you? So in diagnosis terms, it's related to my CP, and, you know, that's because I walked forever and ever and ever, and I want to walk forever, and because of that, there's wear and tear. But for me, the chronic pain has felt like a separate thing because there's so many other things that come along with that. Um, and so it's like having two different illnesses, essentially. But, you know, they go together, and they're because of one another. Absolutely. So so describe your chronic pain to me. Okay. So um, for me, it feels different because I feel like, you know, it came on separate from the CP. And then to manage it, there's a whole different ball game of things that you need to do. And then it comes crippled with things like depression and anxiety and all of that and how do you deal with that so for me chronic pain is like and i hate to say this because it sounds bad but it's like a trapped experience which i don't feel with the cp interesting and so are you feeling you know that the pain is it isolated to a part of your body or or like you said because of the that it brings on anxiety does it really feel like a, a full body experience Luckily, it's pretty um, isolated. I only have hip pain a lot of the time, so I've been lucky there. But lately, with the struggles that I've had, I've had some other pain 
uh, but hopefully that's just muscle tightness and we can resolve that. So you 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 go through an interesting experience. You spend um, a significant amount of your time, like you said, physical therapy, occupational therapy, all the things you were doing to manage CP growing up, and then you get this new thing on top of it. Is is the healthcare experience you're having related to your chronic pain feel different than the healthcare experience you've had dealing with CP? Oh yeah. When you walk in and say, I have chronic pain, people automatically assume that you're, like, trying to get prescription drugs or they don't believe you. I don't know why they don't believe you, but they don't. And so a lot of times you end up feeling invalidated, and you have to um, advocate for yourself in ways that shouldn't be. And um, I've noticed that the specialists that tend to diagnose you with chronic pain are not the people that you go to. Uh, when you need to be treated. So you get diagnosed by your specialist, but then you go to a pain management doctor. And so because of that, you lose, like, the sincerity, I think, because you have to start over with a new doctor. How much is is our doctors and physical therapists and occupational therapists, how much are they part of your daily life right now? So right now I go to therapy three times a week, so I see them pretty often. And, in fact, I'm begging them for more therapy, um, but it hasn't happened yet. But I wrote about this a while ago. Um, I want to say like maybe two or three months ago, um, about how the relationship with my therapist has changed a lot. When I was a kid, um, they're kind of people that you look at and either you love them or you hate them, and a lot of times it's both because you view them as somebody that's like hurting you, but now as an adult, they become my friends. And so take me through, you know, you're, you're doing this therapy, you want more, but, you know, what, what's a typical session look like? So right now, there's um, a lot of stretching because my muscles are super tight and I'm just having a lot of spasticity and tone problems, um, which not everybody that has CP has tone. So there's a lot of, like, manual stretching, like the physical therapist actually stretching me, with, which I think is a lot harder than stretching yourself because you tend to go easier on yourself. So half of my session is kind of getting, like, limber, and then the other half is just nothing but strength training. So, like, total gyms, new steps, step-ups, all of that. So you wrote recently in a post, you said the hardest thing about living with a chronic illness is feeling like you don't know yourself anymore and mm-hmm. feeling like a stranger in your own body as it transforms beyond your control. Right. Um, where do you feel right now in, in terms of your ability con- to control, whether it's the effects of CP, whether it's your chronic pain? Where do you feel on that sort of control scale right now? I don't feel very good about it. Um, there's a lot of things going horribly wrong with me at the moment, and that's hard because mentally, you know, a lot of people with CP have some other issues that I don't. And because of that, I just feel kind of like, my mind isn't with my body, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's interesting to me that you, you know, you you're, you feel the struggle and it's something you write about. Um, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, through your writing, you are, in, in my eyes at least, a sort of inspirational figure out there, oh. uh, kind of, you know, showing people what what can be done and, and giving people hope. How, how do you How do you balance that? In other words, how do you go through, obviously, what are, what are some pretty hard um, experiences, and then channel that into to something positive, even if that positive thing is writing about the struggle. How do you how do you kind of balance that? Um, so I started my blog when I was 16, so it's really changed a lot over the last couple of years. 
when I first started, it started because I was sick and I was looking for resources, and now I've kind of become the resource. So for me, channeling those things, I think it's that's just how you live, you know, and I have to help people that are in similar boats as me, but also I want to expose, you know, chronic illness and chronic life to the mainstream culture, and I feel like I can do that because I also fit in there. When you're writing these things, you know, you you are you're a young woman living with CP, you're a young woman living with chronic pain, but you're also a young woman, and, and in effect, you could be blogging about going through life even if you didn't have those conditions. What, what going through this experience? What do you what are you learning about yourself? So I've thought a lot about that, and honestly, I think if I was just a normal girl with no disability, I wouldn't have a job uh, because I would have no niche. I would have nothing that makes me unique and stand out against everybody else. So there's that. <laughs> so it, um, you talked about how, obviously, the, the hip pain that you're feeling, and, and that's oh. related to, to some of the what you go through to, to be able to stay mobile with CP, for example. Um, other than that, what's changed for you, for better or worse, most over the years from as somebody who's lived with CP all your life? What, what's what's most different about you, say, now at 21 than, say, when you were a kid? Well, luckily, on the positive side, so we'll start with positive, is that, um, you know, I've become more confident and self-aware and just okay with my body and everything that happens and the environments around me and people and their reactions and all of that, which you don't know how to handle as a child. But on the adverse, <laughs> I am, you know, someone who is aging with CP and somebody who chooses to be mobile with CP. And so there's a lot of, I'm going to have a lot of pain that's going to get worse. And I have to live with the choices that I have made and that I'm actively making. And so sometimes I get a little jealous of the people who embraced like say their wheelchairs or their walkers early on because I didn't do that and now I have other um, struggles. And and so you know take me through that. You're, that's an interesting thing. I think most people would hear that and think, okay, you're you're jealous of the people in the wheelchair and yet at the same time you're obviously fighting for your your ability yeah. to, to continue to walk. So so take me through that. What 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 <laughs> makes you jealous of the people who embrace their wheelchair? So when I was a kid, I was always told by everybody, use your walker more, you know, embrace that, because at the time that was all I had. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's great, and I never did. I never did because I hated it, and I just I thought it made me so different, and, you know, it was this awful thing, and it was something that was done to me was what I thought. And now as an adult, I'm like, I should have used that more because if I did, I probably wouldn't have this pain. I would probably be in a little bit of a better position. But hindsight is 2020. Um, and so I found that the people that have embraced those things a little bit earlier don't have near as much pain as I do now. They're also not as mobile as I am, so I guess there's that drawback. So it's really a double-edged sword, I think, and it really depends on the person. Yeah, you described a little bit your physical therapy that you go through and, you know, the, the stretching and strength training involved and, and your dedication to that. You also talked about how something that when you were younger maybe was seemed more like a, a burden than an opportunity. Um, what what could somebody, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this who is, is younger and, and dealing with things they're earlier in their, their experience with CP, you know, what would your advice be in terms of how they approach physical therapy? 
do it and don't lie about it. Like, that is my first tip and probably one of the only tips I would advise for physical therapy is, you know, they give you a home regimen, and I would always say, yeah, I'm doing it. I do it twice a day, and I would never do it, and I've only started doing it recently and realized how much it helped. And if I would have embraced that sooner, maybe I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in. So let's talk about other lessons learned along the way. Uh, you know, you're you're also still learning how to, to manage your chronic pain. Um, what what have you learned in, in that relatively, you know, relative to CP, that, that the four years you've been battling that? What have you learned there that you can impart advice for people dealing with that experience? Uh, okay. So I'm a huge advocate for self-care that matters to you and whatever it is that helps you. So for me – I like a lot of natural things. Like, I use a lot of natural skincare. I like a lot of natural sort of pain relieving, whatever. And I found diet is another huge thing. Uh, hopefully, you don't get too much hate for this. But for me, I found that going meatless and sort of eating that plant-based tofu kind of thing reduces a lot of inflammation in my hip and just makes things better for me overall. Um, so I think you should really embrace and try to learn as much as you can about anything involving your body or even your mind because, you know, your mental health contributes so much to your physical life. So that's really important too. So you talked about how, you know, you're, you're aware of the fact that you're aging and, and as a result of that, that's going to have uh, correlate to some effects with, with CP. Um, but, you know, you're, you're 21. You, you've got goals, obviously. What, what are those goals? What are, you, what are you hoping to achieve? What do you think is, is realistic? And, and uh, or are you still taking a no barriers mentality? A lot of the time I'm taking a no barriers mentality because uh, I think that's just who I am. But I love writing. I love it. And I love social media. So I've recently started, like, YouTube and some other things. And I want to keep that going. I don't know where that's going to go. I'm really comfortable with writing. And so if I stay there forever, that's fine by me. So I'm just, you know, really happy and content where I am. So it, it, I think I want to leave with this. You know, you, it's, I think, evident in our conversation. It's definitely evident in the blog, the, the ups and downs of whether it's CP or chronic pain and, and how you deal with those things. Um, what's Even if it's advice you give yourself, what's the advice for somebody who's in a down stage right now of whatever they're dealing with? How do, how do you get out of those down stages and, and kind of moving back up? Uh, um you know, I didn't – there's a lot of disability hashtags. And, uh, in fact, Wednesdays there is a what's called the Spoonie Chat on Twitter. So it's hashtag Spoonie Chat. And this woman goes through and she asks, I think, like 11 questions over the course of two hours. And all of these people with disabilities chime in. And it's this huge discussion. Um, and it's my favorite thing. It's so much fun. And it's from 8 to 10 p.m. Um, but there's a lot of – hashtags like that, that once – I just found out about so many of them recently. Um, and once you start to use them and tweet at them, you can find great support and resources. So that's something that I do because it's really important to know that you're not alone in whatever you're going through because, you know, downstages are super hard. And I think a lot of times family doesn't really know how to cope with it because they're not going through it exactly they kind of don't want to hear about it anymore because they're stressed out enough. And then, you know, friends 
that's a whole other challenge in itself. So I think finding the support online is really, it's great. Brittany Klaus, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can read Brittany's blog posts at CerebralPalsyNewsToday.com. For more about how physical therapists treat people with CP, visit MoveForwardPT.com. You can find other episodes of Move Forward Radio and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.